Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. The message I'm going to entitle is called Monster in the Mind. Can you say that? Monster in the Mind. You don't seem like you've got a monster in your mind. I've had monsters on my mind, but this isn't called monster in the mind, where our mind is subject to outside forces. Okay, the Bible is explicit, and it's very clear in terms of influences that come around our body, our emotions, and our thinking. Here's a story in uh, a Gadarene demoniac, uh, is a Mark 5:16, and this is how it works. Jesus crossed to the other side, came to a place called the Gadarenes, and in there he was met by one man who was completely stark naked, and he was hanging out in the cemetery around the tombs. The Bible says that they tried to bind him in fetters, iron fetters, but he would break them and come loose. And so Jesus began to come up to him, and the spirit, the ruling spirit, the demonic entity in the individual began to cry out, and he says, Son of God, what have we got to do with you, Holy One of Israel? Have you come to torment us before our time? And Jesus rebuked him and said, Come out. And then Jesus rephrases it, and he says, What is your name? What is your name? And the spirit cried out and said, my name, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, Legion, they say, is around about 6,000 spirits. And you think, how can 6,000 demons actually hold possession in one soul? Well, Mary Magdalene had seven demons. The Bible says Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Perhaps if you can have seven, you could have 10. You might have 20. And if you can have 20, because if you understand, they live in a different dimension, all right? So anyway, they had spirits there. And then, then they asked Jesus permission to be cast into the swine, and Jesus gave them permission, okay? And then the herd of swine, 2,000 of them, came over the bank, and they drowned. Then, of course, uh, the, the herdsmen took off back into their town and told everybody, and everybody comes out. And they begin to see this guy. They see him clothed, seated, and in his right mind. One of the, uh, one of the characteristics of a demonic spirit is restlessness. You can't sit still. You're not at peace. And when the preaching of the gospel, people kind of fidget and want to get up and get a drink of water for the fifth time and kind of like it. It's just like, I've seen meetings. I've seen meetings where I, anyway, I won't go there. I've seen meetings. I've seen some meetings. Now, when it says he's clothed and in his right mind, the interesting thing is this. He was seated, and then it says the people were afraid. I would have thought the people would be excited. Wouldn't you? Here's a guy that the guy at the tombs that nobody goes out there. The Bible says he hollows and he screams late at night and like a howling with the, with the wolves. But anyway, this guy was howling. And the Bible says this, that they were afraid. I've seen the supernatural power of God move and people have been afraid. I've seen the manifestation of Jesus Christ, the manifestation of deliverance, and people have been afraid and they kind of like wanted to run out of the church. There's a clash of kingdoms. Now, let me tell you this. What it does, the reason why they're afraid is because all of a sudden, 
their thinking and their rationale has been blown away. And you notice the remedy wasn't to give him Prozac. You notice it wasn't his, the diagnosis wasn't mental illness. Here he's got his clothes off. Here he's wandering by the tombs. He's got supernatural strength. It was a demonic entity or a demonic spirit, a number of demons that have got inside his soul. And the people are afraid because now he's clothed and in his right mind. God's promise for you is soundness of thinking. It's part of your inheritance. It's part of, it's part of, it's part of what Jesus Christ, it's provision of the cross. Jesus Christ came to give you soundness, wholeness of thinking. And a lot of us, I have to say respectfully, aren't whole in our mind. And I'm not talking about a mental illness or anything. I'm talking about you're subject to fears or anxieties or rejection, subject to lustful imaginations that you cannot get rule and victory over. And it's incessant. And it comes and it comes and you go to bed at nighttime and there they are. You go to work and there they are. And you feel guilty, you feel shamed out, you feel like a low life. We haven't got victory over areas of depression. And we talk to our doctor and our doctors are awesome. And I would have liked to have been a doctor, I guess. But our doctors are good. But they operate in one level. They operate in the medical level, one level. But we're created soul and we're also created spiritual beings. And sometimes natural solutions cannot provide a remedy for a spiritual problem. And some of us, we've got spiritual hereditary uh, entities like familiar spirits that are around our life and we just can't battle. We fast, we pray, we want victory over it, but we seem to be subject to these thoughts. And these thoughts are divisive. These thoughts are discouraging. These thoughts condemn us. Self-accusation, self-despising, low self-esteem, all these things begin to hit our emotions and begin to hit us. But I want to say this, that Jesus Christ has came to set everybody free, that you be liberated. And we just sang about it, and mainly you clapped your hand or you hollowed or you sang that. But really, when we're talking about it, we have to examine, well, what did Jesus Christ actually come to do? He came to set the captives, Luke 4, the captives free. And this morning, maybe you've been held captive. Or maybe your wife, maybe your wife has been held captive and she gets targeted and gets attacked with these emotions and these thoughts that are incessant and they keep on coming. I want to promise you part of the provision of the gospel is absolute freedom. And whom the sun sets free is absolutely free indeed. The stronghold, it's a mixture of carnal thinking, fleshly, worldly thinking, and it's also a mix, mixture of demonic enterprise or demonic spirits, and they're mixed together, forming a strength hold or a stronghold or a foxhole or like a bunker in the brain, like a, a part of us. And what happens is we begin over a period of time to agree with those thoughts and we become subject to those thoughts. And all of a sudden, we're talking to somebody else. And somebody says, man, that is so wrong. You shouldn't be thinking like that. But we are convinced that we are listening to truth. Okay? And so that's kind of like a, 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 a bunker in the brain there. Or like a, a foxhole or a stronghold. The war is against the Word of God. So a stronghold, and I think it's 2 Corinthians 10 there it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons that we have are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So a stronghold isn't, we're not talking about Islam 
or communism or the New Age movement or religious philosophy. We're talking about strongholds over minds, strongholds that we're subject our thinking to. And these things, the Bible says that, uh, that they rate us and we've got to put on the armor of God like the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts, the belt of truth that we would be in truth, the breastplate of righteousness, that our decisions would be righteous, uh, the uh, shoes of the gospel, be ready to tell people about Jesus. And then we're given the, um, the sword of the Spirit, pick up or be active about the sword of the Spirit, know the Word of God because that defeats the enemy. And then we've been given the helmet of salvation, the helmet. What does the helmet do? It's the headquarters. It's, the, it's, it's where if the enemy has got in your mind, he's really got, like the area, the beachhead, that area of your life, it's kind of like he begins to like fool you so he can rule you. He begins to like feed you so he can lead you. And he gets into the mind and then you're subject no longer to the Spirit of God. You're subject to discouragement or you're subject to unbelief. You're subject to self-doubt and self-accusation. You're subject to comparisons. You're subject to all these thinkings, poverty thinking, uh, um, lustful thinking or prejudice or racist thinking and mindsets that actually begin to program our thinking and we begin to agree with it. And you know what? Man, I just, I see it so much in lives that God is gonna set us free. So let's continue on. And then we've got this. It actually, they they confuse us. They confuse conflict with us, and they contend with the purpose and the destiny that God has got for you. You understand that? So it confuses. You're not sure, uncertain, second-guessing, reconsidering, but there's no definition. There's no clarity about destiny, purpose, and destination. You're just not sure. And then the other one is there's a conflict going on. Sometimes you want to, sometimes you don't want to. Sometimes you pull this way, sometimes you pull that way. There's a contention going on. And, and the enemy, it works like this, the strongholds, it, it, um, it creates what is called like a mental image, mental pictures or mental scenarios, arguments, the Bible says, arguments that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. Have you ever had an argument of your mind with somebody? We've got some honest people here. Thank you, man. Yes, you have. Come on. Some of you girls have had arguments with your mother behind her back. If she said this, I'll say this. And my key killer word, I'll say this. Ah, she'll say this, and I'll have the greatest comeback, and I'll say this. Some of you have arguments with your boss. They're called arguments that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. Sometimes like this, God says this, oh, but no, we're going to do this. That's an argument argument that exalts itself so it means it comes up to a higher platform God says about healing but I say this about healing God says about prosperity but this is what the world says about our economy whose report are you going to believe it's an argument and it has power it has influence I'm not going to get married who said someone prophesied over yesterday uh, last year that you're going to get married but you've got all these feelings and emotions like and you've decided to agree with that report That's an argument that exalts itself against the word of God. I'm never going to do well. My kids, I fear for them. Why do you fear for them? Why would you fear for your kids? Going into into the end times, why would we fear for our children? Just because somebody else's kids are backslidden doesn't mean that ours are going to backslide. Yeah, I think we've got to lift the level of our faith, to lift the level of our expectations. Come on now. We've got to lift the level of, of belief that we have, we've got to come up 
into that atmosphere, come up into that realm where God is, where God abides. I notice in Scripture, the Lord says the prophets come up. You notice that? There's a door open in heaven, come up. And some of us have got low life thinking. Our thinking is so natural. And the enemy wants to get us in the natural. Why? Because he's in the spirit. He gets you in the natural. He will beat you every time. You get into the spirit, you're 10 feet ahead of him. You'll beat him every time. So he contends with you always to get the carnal thinking. What does the Bible say about carnality? Carnality is death, but spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, Jeremiah cried out and he said, peace, 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 but there is no peace. The prophets are talking about peace, but the people actually don't have the peace. And it's one of the basic bottom line characters or characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit is God injects into your soul peace. That you just ride storms. We're storm riders, man. Climate changes, wow, we're storm riders. But we're anxious about our about dying of cancer. We're anxious about being left alone or left on the shelf or not getting that promotion, not getting that job. Got all this little thing that's going on in our world, but I'm telling you, we've got to come up. This is an argument that exalts itself, that lifts itself above the knowledge and the revelation of God's word for your life. Whose report? I don't care what the world is saying. Actually, I do not care because I'm not subject to this kingdom. I'm a sojourner. I'm an ambassador. Some of you right now, you've got bitter root jealousy. You're jealous and you're comparing your life with somebody else and it's like an obsession. Others have these thoughts of unforgiveness. You want to forgive her, but I just can't forgive her. You've got to let it go. You've got to let the past bury it and let it go because that's where that belongs. There's no anointing in that. There's no blessing for you in that. The blessing is forward. Let her go. Let them go. They may have ripped you off, but there's plenty of people that have been ripped off in life and got and become, and they become greater people, bigger people, more expansive people. Like Job, the blessing of the Lord was greater. Look, in God's economy, there's no coincidences. God will allow you to go through some gruesome times, but He will stand with you. He will allow you to go through times of shame, times of difficulty, times of persecution, opposition, the ridicule, isolation, fear. I'm out there, what do I do? Uncertainty, I'm actually not sure what to do and I'm given this role. He'll allow you, but He never leaves you nor forsake you. He's a help in times of trouble. But no, 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 no. We kind of shut Him out, don't we? And our flesh life is self-governed. We like to control our own life, control our own purpose and destiny. So we, would, we draw on our own resources. And I'm telling you, there are some battles that are beyond our own resources. There are times when we just have to cry out to the Lord and say, God, if you don't come through, I'm shot. And let me tell you this, I think that if you're not living a life where if God doesn't come through because you're shot, you need to think about what you're doing because God never calls you to do something you can do by yourself. He always calls you to do something expansive well beyond you. So if you're living a nice, contained, good life, I want to encourage you, start to listen to God and stretch because the miracle's on the stretch. Stretch out to what God is saying to you and let's see the miracles. Let's see the pushing out. Let's see the... Let's see the supernatural unfold as you lean on Him. Huh? 
as you lean on Him in the times of depression, when you're needing the strength of leadership, when you're needing inner strength and inner resolve, one more time, I've got to do it one more time, because the enemy in Isaiah tries to wear down, means to, uh, actually means to lay low, wear down the saints. Pastors, tired, exhausted, one more battle of Jezebel, one more battle with legislation, one more battle with persecution, one more battle with the family, one more battle with misunderstanding. One more time I've got to go to work. One more time I've got criticisms from my stuff. I've got another person leaving. I've got a ring from the bank one more time. Should I just pack the whole thing in? Everybody gets tacked with those things, tacked with giving things up, tacked with should I go on further. But I'm telling you what, stick to it. Stick to the word of the Lord. Maybe there's a shift. Maybe there's a change. But we, we, all we're interested in is being pieces of chess in his kingdom. We want to be doing what he's asking us to do because the anointing's in his voice. It's in his destiny, not our destiny. The power of God, the resources of God and that great kingdom we're talking about and the reservoir of God's miracles comes down when we're in his purpose. If you do your purpose, you'll be tired. You'll be exhausted, but you do his purpose, walking in the spirit. You're not subject to that sort of stuff, not to the degree. So the spirit powers come around your mind and they create lenses and glasses like these. Okay, so I'm all good. I got hit, I got hurt. I got beaten, I went down. I got rejected. I got rejected again. The glasses of rejection begin to come around me. So when somebody says, oh, will you be part of this team? Already I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be rejected. Uh, somebody says, well, you, 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 you need to push out in this. Oh, last time I pushed out in this, I've got the glasses of fear of failure. And it helps me see perspective. Uh, you need a girlfriend, man. No, no, I'm, I don't need a girlfriend. I'm 75 years of age. I've been single all my life. <laughs> but no, you need, you need, it's not good for a man to be alone. I don't need any woman. And I, let me talk to you. God gives the word of knowledge. Do, 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 picture. When you were 22 years of age, you got badly bitten. You got rejected. You liked her. You, you followed her. You didn't quite stalk her, but you came close. We would say today it's stalking, but it was pretty cool in the time. Just, you know, driving past her house or your bicycle, having a look, seeing if she's there, knocking on the door, pretending you're a stranger, and you saw the dog, and you're getting out, and it's just like, and you're looking in to see if she's there she's not there but but anyway you got to meet her one time and you thought man this is it we talk so I know she loves me you ever you know guys like that I've listen I've heard guys say I know she loves me and I said oh good I'm happy for you uh how, how come and he said oh she spoke um how come how come you ugly thing no how come and she said oh because she talked to me so what kind of glasses have you got have you got uh fantasy glasses on just because she talked to you do you think she loves you? Does love happen just like that? But she spoke to you. And, no, no, and I've heard one guy say, no, I'm convinced. And I said, I bet you are. Take off those glasses, buddy. It's called fantasy. And read the music. All she did was just talk to you. And I don't think you're in a position, neither am I for that, to say that she loves you. But that's what happens in life. We begin to see things. We are drawn to the most dominant thought. That's true. I know what it's like to be suffering from lustful imaginations. Can't get them out of the mind. Think, Fuck it. I don't want to be this way, God. I don't. I know what it's like to have unforgiveness. I don't want to be this way, God. Help me. And then you know what? This is what I've done. I'll illustrate it. Humble myself one more time before the church. Oh, story of my life these days. 
You know, it's like this, God, help me. Now, that goes down well. Seriously, when you actually say something before God that's honest and authentic and raw, God, help me. Sometimes it's this, isn't it? It's saying, God, help me. Some of you guys got problems with pornography. <clears throat> Look, all I can say is, horns at the altar, grab them, go down on one knee, and say, God, help me. Have you ever done that? Seriously? <laughs> Financial problems? God, if you don't come from sunk, help me. Some people are tormented with anxiety. You wake up in the morning, and I, look, look, I, I'm a sanguine choleric, so they blend together on the scales of personality temperament. They kind of go together somewhat. But So I'm pretty an up person, generally speaking. I don't get discouraged a lot. But sometimes where there's witchcraft and Jezebel, there's always discouragement. That's one of its characteristics, always bring discouragement. But I've had times where I've just had to get up in the morning and I've been full of dread. Not of recent, but it's just like this emotion. I think, what am I afraid of? Nothing. And I go through, what am I, everything's good, nothing. But it's like, an, it's like an arrow. And so what do I do? I put on the garment of praise. Some people don't want to come to church. You feel down. What the best place for you to be in church is not wallowing at home, is to come into the house. Family, community. People will love you. People will hug you. People embrace you. Just being around people. But, you know, sometimes I've had, to, I've had to actually say this. I've had to actually rise up and put on that garment of praise. And that garment of praise goes something like this, where I've had to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Lord, I thank you for Rarotonga. I thank you for the Cook Islands. I thank you for our people. I thank you for your promise that you're doing a mighty work in our nation. I thank you for financial wealth and thank you for financial resources. I thank you for every provision on the table. I thank you for a beautiful, amazing wife. I thank you for awesome, powerful kids. I thank you for my leadership team. I thank you for Murray. I thank you for Nancy and all my brothers, all my, br uh, my brother pastor's colleagues. And I begin to systematically go, and guess what? It goes. Seriously, it goes. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website, celebration.otonga.com. Until next time.